This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to episode 44 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on March 10th, 2021. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving you the lowdown on what's new in business, resources, and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help to make downtown Halifax better. On this episode in BizBuzz, we have business updates and milestones. We'll talk about March break and free parking during March break, Around the World in 80 Plates International Food Festival, and Extended Dine Around. But first, Ivy will be talking to Ross Jefferson, President and CEO of Discover Halifax, and Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Ross will be telling us all about Discover Halifax's recently launched Integrated Tourism Master Plan. We have Ross Jefferson, President and CEO of Discover Halifax. Discover Halifax is a nonprofit membership based marketing and sales organization. It works in partnership with the Halifax Regional Government, the Hotel Association of Nova Scotia, and participating industry members. Discover Halifax works collaboratively to make the Halifax region a better place to live, work, and visit. Since its inception in 2002, Discover Halifax's goal is to promote Halifax as a destination of choice for leisure and business travelers. A year ago, in March 2020, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic decimated the tourism industry in Nova Scotia and around the world. Discover Halifax's integrated tourism master plan had already been developed and was ready to go at that time, but the tourism crisis delayed the launch. After re-examining the findings, the plan was presented to HRM Council in February 2021, and it officially passed. We're going to talk to Ross about the Integrated Tourism Master Plan today. We also have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, who will join in on the conversation. So, Ross, thank you so much for joining us today on Downtown Lowdown. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I love this forum, and uh, thank you guys for doing this, too. No problem at all. Um, before we get into the master plan, uh, can you discuss some of the strategies and programs uh, that Discover Halifax had to shift or adapt or adjust uh, to, in order to quickly respond to the changing tourism sector uh, during the last year? Yeah, you know, it's hard to believe now, it, like we're coming on the anniversary of that. And I think everybody's got their stories when they think back about, you know, what it meant. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the first thoughts, I think, for everybody was, Staff, mm-hmm. uh, safety, uh, teams. Um, we were uh, we were pretty fortunate to to be able to pivot pretty quickly uh, from our operations perspective. But you know, f- I'll, I'll say that you know from the perspective of being able to sort of work from home. But it was a significant shift for us. As you know, we have historically uh, our marketing campaigns have been focused uh, obviously outside the region. Um, uh, the message itself had to be completely uh, uh, revamped. And, you know, now as I sit here and think back on that, we didn't even know about our own existence. You know, we, we are funded by the hotel levy uh, at that time. So uh, we know in hindsight that uh, we've had an 85% decrease in uh, revenues from hotels, which directly, you know, funds our organization. So during those early times, it was actually, um, it was a lot of uncertainty about who we were speaking to, what was our new objective, what were we trying to do, how were we going to work as a team. And I know that that's not uh, unlike many, many organizations who were going through uh, the exact same thing. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, quickly we, we really rallied around that idea of uh, 
trying to continue to boost community spirit, uh, really understanding the businesses that were, uh, you know, immediately affected that were still open uh, and trying to get that message out. And as we moved into, you know, more of a stable period as we entered into the sort of the summer period and the opening of the bubble, a, a, a real um, significant um, desire from people uh, that were traveling or either in the region wanting to know what's open, what can they do, what's going on. So we uh, we tailored the campaigns towards that. And, you know, while we, we didn't have the season that uh, we would normally expect, which is This usually, would have been the you know, planning for the big season, for the big tourism season a year ago. Totally. Um, would have. We yeah. would have been right, you know, just, just getting ready to finalize the details on those campaigns. Mm-hmm. So we pivoted to the, uh, to, to the new campaign uh, the, um, and, and really, again, um, trying to boost community spirit at that tough time. The integrated um, tourism master plan uh, was originally going to launch a year ago. Unfortunately, we all know what happened a year ago, and it delayed the launch. Um, a lot of consultation and engagement went into that original plan, that original master plan that was going to be launched. So what was the process in developing this version of the integrated tourism master plan? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I think if you saw the plan uh, that was prepared and ready to go, actually, we were we were actually picking dates for the launch mm-hmm. around March last year. I think if you saw that version of the plan and this plan, um, you'd see that it is structurally the same. You know, that most of the initiatives, in fact, all of the initiatives are the same initiatives. The, the themes, the goals, the principles, everything is still the same. This, this plan is really the plan uh, for us uh, for the next five years. Um, I remember Michelle McKenzie, uh, our project manager, who's a, just an amazing uh, leader that helped us uh, pull this together. Uh, we were talking about the, the pandemic uh, just at that time, and she said, this is the worst time to ever be trying to launch a plan, but it is the best time ever to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And while it's not a recovery plan, what we've really done is we fit this into uh, the three phases of recovery that we have today. Our first phase was really focusing on uh, helping businesses when we were in the deep lockdown. You know, what's open, trying to inspire people to spend locally, the great efforts that you guys have been doing here, um, uh, you know, amplifying those, working with the local businesses. Phase two was really trying to get open access to safe markets. So we wrote um, an opening, opening plan, much like the Restaurant Association wrote an opening plan, but we did it for the destination to open for tourism. We presented it to government. Uh, we pitched the idea of uh, opening to safe markets uh, that was pre-Atlantic bubble. Uh, how do we open up to provinces that are safe and have same case counts? And uh, we've really been in that phase two uh, right now. But phase three, we've always wanted to make sure how do we build back better? Uh, and the framework that was prepared with this plan was a great landscape for us to set the stage. We didn't have to go out and do all the public consultation. We had a shovel-ready list of projects. We had identified working with partners like yourselves on key things that were important. Um, so we were, we were really quite fortunate in a strange way on that timing. Yeah, I'm really struck by what Michelle McKenzie said, you know, that is the worst time and the best time to have a plan like this. It's almost like a, a tourism reset. Uh, so, you know, with the, this whole, uh, you know, crisis, public health crisis, there is an opportunity. Um, so let's get into the master plan itself. Yeah. You know, there, it touches on so many themes and goals. And um, can you just go through some of the, I think there are six themes uh, in the plan. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think what everyone was most proud of is, you know, we, we had a conversation earlier about what, what are we trying to accomplish with, with this and what are we trying to accomplish with tourism? And I think that, um, you know, uh, social license and connection with community was always really front in mind when we entered into this. And we've seen how tourism around the world, tourism is expected to continue to grow for decades. It's one of the fastest growing industries. There's a lot of communities that have found themselves in a situation where tourism um, growth, ironically, uh, is helping, uh, you know, the, the tourism economies, but it's impacting and hurting their communities. So we really wanted to say, look, we, if, if we were one of those communities, what would we'd love to have the time to be able to rewind and redo. So we, we've took a look, taken a look really at you know those challenges that the communities that have started to have massive tourism growth and where where could we you know how could we steer that and you know we, we came to what we always I think the conclusion was community first. Of course, um, a stronger tourism economy generally means a stronger economy for your destination. Um, but h- how do we manage that growth so that we can do more? You know, we can just let it grow by itself, and it will grow by itself. But how can we maybe make it grow faster, but grow in a, in a way that's also um, brings more community benefits? So, you know, the great connection with the development of public spaces, with policies, uh, with investments that are good for citizens. Um, how do we tie it into the, you know, the, the development of our downtowns? You know, the, the work that um, your group is doing around, you know, really thoughtful planning. You know, we, we've been inspired by, uh, quite frankly, that type of thinking and wanted that to be uh, incorporated into the tourism plan. Yeah, I really like that point in the plan where it says that it's not just for tourism. This plan isn't just for tourism. It's, it's almost like a community plan, but, you know, growing tourism, but in a responsible way. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was really great. That was really interesting. And you know, the second piece of that too is is that this isn't an independent plan. It's actually really just a recognition that tourism is a lens on a whole bunch of other plans. We've got um, uh, transportation plans. We have uh, a center plan. We have. Um, you know, all of the strategies that exist in our community. And this is just an opportunity to make sure that the community lens and, the, and, the, and quite frankly, even the visitor is considered. You know, when you think of 5.3 million overnight stays in a year, um, that's equal to one in uh, 27 people in our community as an overnight visitor. Of course, it isn't right now, but... Yes, that um, was in 2019, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, they've got a very unique perspective. I remember Michelle McKenzie saying one time we were talking about parking meters, you know, um, just the thought of, you know, it's, you know, how that's designed. Do you have to pull over and try and get an account and then subscribe to a feature just to be able to park, you know, mm-hmm. the, on an app? And little things like that, um, you know, go a long way. We know, for example, how many people come into the airport, pulled out their phones and expected to hit Uber uh, to be able to hop and get in a car and come downtown and only to find out that there, there wasn't any. So those types of things really looking from the, the, the visitor's perspective uh, um, can be overlaid onto the existing plans that there are today. And speaking of visitors, uh, this is the theme of the interview. Um, you know, what is the biggest challenge um, you think that tourism is facing right now and how do you think we can overcome that? How can we turn it around? Well, look, the long-term outlook for the visitor economy is still, you know, it's still incredibly strong. The the, the fundamentals behind the, what's driving the growth in the tourism industry globally are still there. And Halifax and the Halifax Regional Municipality is an amazing place. So, you know, we, we've got a solid foundation there. I mean, we're in the middle of a of a 
immediate crisis right mm-hmm. now. Um, I think the the single most important thing right now for for exiting COVID is really getting the timing right. I think that um, you know if if I was to draw an analogy, if this was a running race. Um, we can do everything we want to train and get ready and eat the right food and you know whatever the case may be, but showing up at the start line on the right date in the right month is you're going to win the race if you're at the at the start gate. We've got an opportunity uh, to, to to take the pole position. You know we, we've we've been safe here. We've got an opportunity to work on plans. Other destinations, unfortunately, are still dealing with you know the the, the acute issues of, 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 of COVID, and we've got an opportunity to actually come out of the gate first, to start the race first, to have the, the, the first celebrations, to come back and to, to make it the season. But I think being uh, timed well, it, it's not as easy. You don't just turn on the key for a, a $1.3 billion industry. Um, businesses need to think about getting their labor back. We need to get the assets back. We need to get air equipment back. We People need to be hired. Marketing campaigns need to be developed. Events need to be considered. And if you think that uh, you know October is the start date, that's a very, very different than if you think July is the start date. So right now, we're really encouraging our, our businesses, our members, and everyone to make sure that they've got Plan Plan A's and Plan B's, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, our organization right now is working on a very strong Plan B or Plan A rather. Uh, that is um, that is an early start back with a full uh, season ahead. We know there's some markets that won't be back uh, this year, cruise uh, conferences, but there there's a real pent up demand for leisure visitation. There's an opportunity for Canadians to be trapped inside Canada. Uh, and not be able to travel uh, internationally. And we've got a, a trade uh, deficit of uh, $23 billion in Canada where we spend more uh, uh, traveling outside than we do in, uh, domestically. If, if even a portion of that comes back, um, we think we've got a really strong opportunity as long as we've got activities and businesses are ready uh, for a really great summer. And, and, and my biggest concern right now would be um, not being ready. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, just if I could, because yep, yeah, Ross and I are in, in lots of Zoom meetings together. Uh, you've, been, you've been very consistent on this on this message for a long time to say one of the, you know, obviously there's great concerns about, you know, when are vaccines rolling out and when are we going to go back to normal and that type of thing. Uh, but you, you've often expressed this concern that it could be the opposite, that we could be ready much faster, as you've been saying, than what we've been hearing. And, and even, I mean, even over the past, you know, couple of weeks, the situation seems like it's changed so much. Like we, for consistently, we've been hearing, well, really, it's September. September is when we're going to start thinking about normal life again because that's when we have 75% vaccination. But as before, a third vaccination was licensed, and you look at, at how fast you know vaccinations are now suddenly happening in the U.S., which you know was a market that was a you know was a disaster, frankly, for a long time. Suddenly, they're looking at a pretty quick recovery period, or, or quicker than we thought. And even uh, even as recently, I think, as yesterday, Dr. Strang, you know, actually saying some kind of optimistic things about that, uh, and he's very you know cautious and conservative about those timelines so even i would say in the past couple of weeks you know it seems like the time frame potentially is moving um, so just to kind of echo what you said you've been saying this for a long time and i think you know it's, it's been a message that has fallen on deaf ears to a certain extent but you know that there is there is potentially some optimism to say if if we 
you know, if we put our minds to it and, and get ready, we actually could have a good tourism season this summer as opposed to kind of writing it off, which I think is what most people have been doing. Yeah, and, you know, that, again, that's the piece that scares me most. Uh, again, if, if we need uh, captains for boats and mechanics for buses, they're not just waiting to be hired back. They've gone and gotten new jobs. You know, uh, our events don't come together just at the snap of the fingers. We need to be thinking about that. And, um, you know, I would rather us invest in being ready and be wrong and we can't uh, and have to hold than us uh, being caught flat-footed when everybody's traveling around the country and the messages, you know, that we're not open or we just simply don't have the capacity and, and uh, really disappoint people. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, a wise investment. Now, a lot of people hear that and they think that, you know, we're trying to push to open before it needs to open. And, I, and I, that's not really the message here. The message is, uh, if we could just stop for a moment and think, what if it really is, in everyone's eyes, safe, are we ready? And that's what we're really trying to do right now. And what we think the leading indicators are right now, Paul, to your point, is um, it's far more likely uh, that we're, we're going to you know, be open within Canada and maybe, maybe even internationally um, than, uh, than it's likely that we're not. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty still out there. There are um, variants and there are, you know, there's challenges we can't foresee, but I think having a strong plan for being ready is uh, certainly where we want to go. And we can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. So in the theme of being ready, uh, do you think the 2021 season can be salvaged? This was actually a question from Paul. Uh, he contributed that question. Uh, so what yeah. do you think? Well, look, I... Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm the optimist. Uh, I usually, th- you know, I don't know where I come on the continuum of optimism, pessimism, but it, look, there's definitely markets that won't be back this year, and different businesses will be impacted differently because of that. So, you know, the, con- the, the conference market won't be back uh, this year because they're canceled. There's still some in the fall, but um, and, and those businesses will obviously be impacted as well as crews. But there are markets that we expect will rebound even more. You know, the, there's a market uh, visiting friends and relatives that is usually about 50% of any destination's visitation. That is going to be a crushing return, uh, we expect. Um, you know, I, I had a tweet out there recently that I've, I've gotten some reaction on. I, I've been saying that, uh, uh, you know, I think, Tourism might be the, the next toilet paper. You know, you, right. you, you really might. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. we, we might have a, a challenge here in the future um, that you're going to have a hard time finding uh, the ability to find flights mm-hmm. or, or the uh, accommodations or so things high. to do. That is it's a, a pent up, you know, pent up demand. It is, yeah. and so look, um, it's a possibility. It's a, it's one that I think is reasonable to be considered. There's going to be. Uh, uh, a demand kickback and a supply challenges. And uh, so, um, you know, certainly we, we're really trying to make sure that the, the supply and the demand opportunities are matched. Mm-hmm. So looking into your crystal ball, um, what do you think tourism will look like uh, post-pandemic? You know, a year, two years, three years from now. Are there any positive legacies or trends that you think will or should last uh, beyond global immunization? Well, um, I, I think, um, you know, again, I am very um, optimistic of the and believe that the tourism industry is um, strong. The fundamentals are there. 
There's two really key fundamentals behind tourism that's driving it. Uh, one, uh, for the first time in, I think, human history, more people are considered to be um, out of poverty than in poverty. 50% of our population now and globally is considered to be either um, wealthy or um, you know, above the poverty line. Uh, we're seeing it in Asia and across the world. And the second is uh, that... Um, uh, for the first time, millennials have now uh, paced baby boomers uh, in North America, and they've got a very different sense of, you know, what they want to invest their life in and mm-hmm. money and and, um, and and travel is experiences, experiences is yeah. incredibly high on that. Right. Uh, so, you know, th- th- there's a lot of fundamentals behind what's right for travel, and I think uh, uh, it's really, I think, smart destinations are just thinking about uh, how to leverage that but manage it as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add, you or, or Paul? Uh, well, I'll add, um, I mean, thanks for all the, the hard work uh, and great work you've done over the past year. I think uh, it was interesting because as, as the pandemic hit, yours was an organization that, you know, that seemed like it was that it was very vital and important, but yet you had this huge funding issue where your funding is dependent upon tourism. So we needed, you know, strong programs to kind of, you know, think about and work on how do we bring tourism back at the same time that, that there was real concerns about how, how do we even fund that sort of thing. So uh, so congrats on making it through uh, the year and, and, and producing, you know, great work like the, the Tourism Master Plan. So, and, and you know, you've been uh, you've been leading an organization that really you know was able to shift, right? You you had to deal with challenges where I mean, you're generally your your whole aim is to bring people from outside of Halifax to Halifax, but of course, when there's you know the Atlantic bubble kind of limits that. When there's restrictions around, you can't travel in and out of Halifax. Yeah, that limits that. When you're told to stay home, uh, that limits that. So I mean, all through those different phases, uh, you know, you folks have been great at adapting and, and really you know keeping your organization relevant. You know, and and shifting to even to the point of saying, well, listen, let's you know while we're waiting for tourism to rebound, let's Let's make sure that we're supporting local businesses so that those businesses can survive to the point where we get back to a tourism season and they can and they can flourish again. So, so I just want to say thanks for all the hard work you've done uh, throughout the year, and it's uh, it's been great working with you. Yeah, well, look, uh, thanks, uh, Paul, and I, I I would want to uh, maybe turn the tables back to this organization too, and and also I'm going to just go back on the you know the, maybe the crystal ball beyond sure. tourism. You know, one of the things I think I have really appreciated so much more was over the last year how many of the organizations came together to work together. Uh, I think that's actually going to be a legacy uh-huh. uh, from this. I think that, we, you know, we always did work well together, but really um, recently it has seemed to be um, more than that, just on, a, on, a, on an exponential scale of, of um, you know, a better improved cooperation if it, if it could be better. Um, and again, just to, you know, thank uh, the, the, the great work that you guys are doing here, the bids in general, and, and certainly downtown here uh, has been doing amazing work. I know how much uh, time I've seen all of you on committees. Paul, you've been there as a major com- contributor uh, on, on weekly calls that were bi-weekly and even three times a week, uh, uh, during the, the thick of it, and um, you know, we've we, we've all been really working together. And again, I, I just I think that the the, the bids, the, the institutions that we have here, are really doing an amazing job. And congratulations to you, people. Well, thank you. I, I, I'd like to echo Paul's word of thanks because uh, I know the you, your organization worked so quickly after you know the lockdown happened to to really you know support the businesses. A lot of the marketing programs that Discover Halifax. Uh, 
you know, launched um, during the pandemic was, were really aligned with ours. Like yeah, it really it worked. worked well yeah. uh, that we worked in tandem together and w- worked collaboratively as well. So, oh, so thank you so much for that. Awesome. And, and thank you for your time today. I oh, really appreciate amazing. your coming in. I love this. I uh, love the podcast. Love the forum. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. We were talking to Ross Jefferson, president and CEO of Discover Halifax. Discover Halifax is a nonprofit membership-based marketing and sales organization. We talked to Ross about Discover Halifax's integrated tourism master plan. For more information on what Discover Halifax does and to view their integrated tourism master plan, visit discoverhalifaxns.com. Well, we still have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Dantan Halifax Business Commission, here with us. Uh, he's going to give us an update on the Nova Scotia Small Business Real Property Tax Rebate Program. Yes, well, I love the updates where we get to announce that uh, money is being given out to businesses, and that's what uh, today's announcement is about. It was, it was already announced, but uh, we'll repeat it for our members um, that are interested, and I'm sure uh, many will be. So this is a new provincial program, uh, and the province has had a, a whole suite of, of programs, uh, a mixture of grant programs. Mostly they've been um, you know, more credit extension programs, which, which are, are fine for businesses that want to take on more debt, but that's been kind of one of the complaints is that you know, just taking on more debt isn't really going to be uh, something that's going to help a lot of the businesses. Uh, and they're really looking for immediate assistance. Uh, so this is this falls into that immediate assistance uh, category, uh, and going along with the um, I guess the provincial philosophy that you know the the programs are richer um, for those industries that, that have actually faced restrictions and shutdowns and that type of thing. So this is a, another program that's directed at them. So that includes you know businesses like restaurants, and of course we have lots of those downtown, but also gyms, hair salons, uh, and those kinds of businesses that have had some restrictions put on them um, uh, during the, the last couple of uh, uh, restricted times. So this is the Small Business Real Property Tax Rebate Program. So essentially the way it works is it's, uh, it's giving a, um, a grant to businesses, and it's based upon uh, the amount of property tax that they pay. This can be a little bit confusing because most uh, businesses, if you're a business that, that rents, you don't pay your property tax directly. You, you pay it to your landlord through your rent, and your landlord may break out what that is exactly to you. They may not. Uh, but essentially if you're able to determine what your, uh, what your rent is, you can get uh, up to 50% uh, of that rent rebated to you as, as a check. Uh, so it's um, yeah, your landlord to, to, to qualify. Your landlord would have had to pay their rent, and then this is a check that you'll get back. And, you, and there's no limitations in terms of what you can spend that money on. So there's kind of two portions to that. One is there's just a $1,000 if you if you don't want to work through all the calculations. There's kind of a $1,000 automatic payment that you can get, uh, or as I said, you can get up to 50% um, of what you paid in your commercial real property taxes, uh, and that's for the final six months of 2020-2021. So for, you know, certainly the, the larger the business, the, the larger the, the check uh, they're eligible for. So um, it, it's uh, it's one of those programs that, that uh, maybe seems a, a little bit complicated. Um, and hopefully the application process isn't too hard, uh, but that would be the main complication is that in some cases the, the person applying, the tenant may or may not have complete informational access, but but hopefully your landlord can share that with you um, and get those details. So so Ivy is going to share with you uh, how to get more details, and certainly we would encourage you if you fall into those one of those uh, types of businesses, restaurants, gyms, hair salons, uh, those businesses that, that have restrictions on them, uh, certainly we would we would encourage them all to apply for this program. Yeah, so the, the application isn't quite live yet uh, at the time of this recording, but uh, keep checking the website. So for more details, including how to apply online, uh, that information will be available mid-March, which is kind of nowish, uh, at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus under support for business. Thanks, Paul, for joining us. As always, Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest COVID-19-related information as the province revises restrictions. 
DHBC continues to follow directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check DHBC's main COVID-19 resource page for businesses and for the public at downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. The provincial state of emergency has been renewed and remains in effect until 12 noon, March 21, 2021. Given low COVID-19 cases, the province has lifted or altered restrictions that were announced on February 27th that were in place for Halifax Regional Municipality and its neighboring communities. Many of those restrictions for businesses such as restaurant hours, sports competitions, cultural performances, and non-essential travel ended on Friday, March 5th at 8 a.m. The following activities will be allowed. Restaurants and bars will return to previous dine-in service requirements with service stopped by 10 p.m. and closed by 11 p.m. Travel in and out of HRM and surrounding municipalities, participants and officials in performing arts and sports, recreational, amateur, and professional can gather in groups of up to 60 people without social distancing for rehearsals, performances, practices, and regular competitive schedule. Spectators at performing arts and sports will be allowed as long as the host facilities have a gathering plan. The Department of Education and Early Childhood Development has reopened public school gyms for after-school use. Weddings and funerals in a faith facility or funeral homes can have up to 150 people outdoors or 50% of capacity to a maximum of 100 indoors. Receptions and visitations continue to not be permitted in HRM and surrounding municipalities. These are just some of the restrictions that may affect businesses, workers, and visitors in downtown Halifax. For more information and a full list of restrictions, visit the Nova Scotia Health Authority website at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. To view the DHBC COVID-19 resource page, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. And now for BizBuzz. And once again, it's time for BizBuzz. Lauren Landry, our Marketing and Communications Coordinator, is here with me along with Ivy. Hi, Lauren and Ivy. Hi. Hello. Today on BizBuzz, we'll talk about March break in downtown Halifax, the Around the World in 80 Plates International Food Festival, and Dine Around. But first, Lauren has some business updates and milestones to share with us. What do you have for us this week, Lauren? Thanks, Alana. Black Sheep Restaurant has moved into the Halifax Brewery and is now open for business. Peace by Chocolate has launched its first expansion from their original store in Anaganish and has opened up a second shop in Queensmark. They had their grand opening on March 5th and are currently taking orders at peacebychocolate.com. The Halifax Seaport Market Building will be renamed the Pier at the Seaport and will be transformed into a living lab for the transportation industry. The Pier at the Seaport will include permanent leased storefront spaces for retail and eateries, providing those tenants with weekday traffic from those working at the Living Lab and traditional weekend farmer's market customers. This transition will take place during the spring of 2021. For additional information, visit HalifaxSeaport.com. Thanks, Lauren. So this week, the week of March 15th, is March break in downtown Halifax. And if you're looking for some fun and safe things to do with your family, we have compiled a list of 25 kid-approved things to do during March break in downtown Halifax. Some of those ideas include visiting some of downtown Halifax's marquee attractions like the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, and the Discovery Center, exploring the Halifax waterfront and their Splash of Color art trail that is made up of about 18 public art pieces along the waterfront boardwalk, visiting Peace and Friendship Park, which is down by the west of Nova Scotian, and playing on the train station playground, 
And if you stand till dusk, you will see the winter-themed lights come on in the park, including the 26-foot-tall tree. And just an aside, for St. Patrick's Day, the walkways and the 26-foot-tall tree will be bathed in green light. Stopping by one of the many cafes in downtown Halifax for hot chocolate, loading up on candy at Freak Lunchbox, booking a private tour or even a ghost tour, if you're more daring, of the Halifax Citadel National Historic Site, or having a mini staycation at a downtown Halifax hotel, like the Four Points Sheraton, the Hotel Halifax, the Marriott Halifax Harborfront Hotel, or the West Nova Scotian, all which have special March Break promotions on right now. For more March Break inspo, as the kids say, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash marchbreak, or follow at Downtown Halifax on Facebook or Instagram, as we are showcasing things to do in Downtown Halifax for March Break all week long. And Discover Halifax also has a fantastic kid-approved March Break activity guide with a free printable activity sheet. Visit discoverhalifaxns.com slash march-break for more information. And if you're wondering where to park when you come downtown for March Break, from March 15th to 19th, Downtown Halifax Business Commission will be covering the fee at all on-street parking locations in Zone B. During this time, parking sessions via hotspot or pay stations will be free up to a maximum of four hours as per the current time cap. And it's important to note that you must still register for your parking session via hotspot or a pay station to avoid receiving a ticket. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash marchbreak. And there are other year-round free parking opportunities in downtown Halifax that you may not know about. Develop Nova Scotia offers free parking in their Salter Street lot on Lower Water Street on Saturday mornings from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. And the Halifax Seaport offers free parking in their parking lots in front of the Halifax Seaport Farmer's Market and the Kennard Centre on weekends and holidays. Plus, there are tons of other parking lots and garages around the downtown area, including the Metro Park on Hollis Street and the parking garages in Scotia Square and the Nova Centre. For more information on parking in downtown Halifax, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash parksmart. So moving on, the Around the World in 80 Plates International Food Festival is a new month-long food festival and fundraiser for Feed Nova Scotia, hosted by Curated Food and Drink Magazine. It's taking place for the month of March until March 31st. With this festival, diners can circle the globe, exploring the vast selection of delicious international cuisine while supporting their favorite local restaurants. You can visit curatedmagazine.ca for more information, and we will be promoting this on our social sites over the next few weeks. And Dine Around was so popular this year that it has been extended to the end of March. This year, many restaurants are offering dine-in, takeout, and delivery options, making it easier than ever to participate in Dine Around. You can see all the participating restaurants in the downtown Halifax area at downtownhalifax.ca slash dinearound. And before we sign off, let's talk about our recent downtown Halifax experiences. Lauren and Ivy, have either of you had any opportunities to get out and about in downtown Halifax? Well, I've been on a real sushi kick these last couple of days. I don't know what it is, but I can't get enough of it. So uh, I've been trying uh, Tokyo Roll and Dharma Sushi. I had both of their sushi lunch specials. Mm-hmm. They were so affordable. You got so much bang for your buck. There mm-hmm. was so much, and it was absolutely delicious. Yeah. I loved it. Have either of you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> you can good. talk to me yeah. about sushi addictions yeah. because that's what I have. I've been craving sushi <laughs> lately, too. And they're both so on Argyle Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you can take turns going to eat place. Each place for lunch. Yeah. They're both open for lunch. Exactly. Yeah. And so they won't say, why are you in it here again? Yeah. If you just yeah, go every second yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. I'll spread the yeah. love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> this week I also met up with some friends. I went to Cajon House for lunch. It was great. I love sitting at Cajon House. It's such mm-hmm. a good view mm-hmm. and a really nice space. And I got the crispy cauliflower stir fry. Can't recommend it enough. I ate it way too fast, so it was so good. <laughs> so great. 
Uh, and I went on the uh, went on a walk with my family on the waterfront, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was a beautiful day on Sunday. It was mm-hmm. sunny and yeah, it was kind of warmish, weather. considering mm-hmm. the weather, w- considering that it's winter, I should mm-hmm. say. Uh, and uh, yeah, we had a really great time walking along the boardwalk mm-hmm. and seeing the people. And although my son was very disappointed that Beaver Tails wasn't open yet, yeah, but me and Leo open. have that in common. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I said go soon, soon it'll open in the spring. I used to work at the Beaver Tails oh. on the waterfront. That's when it right. first opened, yeah, it's not the same kiosk as it is now, but I was an expert beaver tail <laughs> maker. You should make that for the office. My bragger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, of course, when he saw the beaver tails, he wanted something, as, you know, a sweet treat. Yeah. So we stopped at uh, the Daily Grind. And oh, yeah. got some treats. Yeah. So uh, vegan peanut butter balls. Oh, nice. And chocolate chip cookies. Mm. and um, The Daily Grind has done a really great job in that yeah. space. Yeah. It's a really nice space. It's and I think beautiful. they also have, I think they might be starting again some live music. I think they have live music. In the evenings, evening, I think. Because yeah, yeah. it kind of turns into a bar at night. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. license. Yeah. License. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really great atmosphere because mm-hmm. I've been there in the evening uh, for a birthday party. Uh, mm-hmm. This was pre-COVID. Oh, okay. yes. uh, but yeah, it was it was really fun mm-hmm. and it's a yeah. beautiful atmosphere. They've been a great addition yeah. to Bishop's Landing. Mm-hmm. During yeah. the day too, it's a really popular study spot for yeah. a lot yes. of university yes. students. I know a lot of my friends love studying there. I saw a lot of laptops mm-hmm. out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there. Yeah, so uh, my birthday was in early March. Um, happy birthday to me. And we went for lunch at Hermitage. Yes. Um, that's how, that is how you pronounce it, Hermitage. Mm-hmm. We uh, did ask them. Yeah, we yes. did ask. Although they were like, you can say Hermitage. <laughs> Hermitage. Hermitage. Oh, I can't say it the other way. <laughs> Hermitage. Hermitage. Um, it was really good. It is a super nice space. It's in the Alexander Building on Lower Water Street. It's a beautiful space. It's really kind of cool chic it's really really nice there, yeah and it but it's casual like yes, you feel yes. it's like relaxing you don't feel like we, you know we were just dressed in our business casual mm-hmm. and it, we didn't feel underdressed um food was really good i had the french onion soup and i think it was a chicken club burger and it was huge and really good ivy you had the, the swordfish. swordfish yeah, yeah and that looks really good swordfish and it was delicious yeah and then we had this really cool dessert it was like a chocolate box that you cracked the top open yeah. and there was different chocolates inside and it was really it was just fun it was, it was a fun, fun dessert yeah. and it's a great little area now yeah because like, yeah. you know there was copper branch there liquid gold yeah yeah liquid gold oh, okay yeah. yeah and so yeah they're just all right in a row and then yeah. of course you have some of the shops that are in the brewery um el mio and some of those other places yeah. so it's a little destination now yeah in that building yeah um i definitely would recommend going there it is such a good place to go either for an intimate dinner for two or for like i guess if you have a bubble group of 10 it would be great it's a yeah. good place to go also yeah. Uh, if you're celebrating something. So, yeah, highly recommend to Hermitage. And it's and it's owned by and operated by the same people who own, who operate Julep on Barrington Street. And I love Julep. Yes, and they're also yeah. good. And Unchained Kitchen, which is in on Agricola, but still mm-hmm. really good. And I also went to DeSeris. I go to DeSeris a lot <laughs> with my kids. <laughs> and DeSeris is so great. It's I mean, it's an art supply store. It's right next to our building. It's great if you need a last-minute birthday gift for someone. True. You know, I've they done have that. Lego. They have puzzles. They have arts and craft um, kits for kids. And there's always a lineup. I think during the pandemic, especially, people have been giving back to art or doing a lot more art. So there's always a lineup there. Um, but I really like to Sarah's. I really like their staff. They're super helpful. And, yeah, great place to go if you're looking for a gift, last one gift for someone. 
And in terms of upcoming plans, next episode I'll be talking about uh, we're doing some staycations in downtown Halifax for March break. I'm going to the Courtyard Marriott. Um, and hope, hopefully I'll be visiting all the attractions. That's my goal is to drag my kids around the city. We're going to do the Art Gallery, Discovery Center, the Halifax Citadel, and um, the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. Yeah. Right. And Mike is doing the uh, March break camp at Discovery Center oh, nice. all week long. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So I'm sure he's going to have a great oh, time. Yeah. He loves science. So, they are yeah. so organized mm-hmm. and on the ball there. Yeah, they do a lot of great things. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. So that's it for BizBuzz this week. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you. Thanks. This concludes Episode 44 of Downtown Lowdown, recorded on March 10, 2021. For more information, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to Downtown Lowdown, and don't forget to follow at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thank you.